those of you with babies and small kids at home, think about this. A lot of the food you pass in the baby food aisle at the grocery store has been sitting on that shelf for longer than maybe your kid's even been alive. The stuff can be so heavily processed and our kids deserve better. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Little Spoon, which has an awesome menu of baby and toddler kid food that is non-GMO and organic, made with fresh ingredients and absolutely nothing artificial. It's all basically homemade and just delivered straight to your door in a cooler box so you can just pop the meals in the fridge or freezer and heat them up when your little ones are ready to eat. We had a couple of uh, tiny taste testers help us out. <laughs> um, Eight-month-old Logan absolutely loved Little Spoon's baby food blends, especially the guava, mango, apple, and pear mashup. And he loved the organic smoothies as well with hidden vegetables like the sweet potato and carrot cake smoothie, as well as the veggie pack green dream with chime. So uh, with kids' meals under $5 and baby food smoothies and snacks under 3 trying Little Spoon is really affordable. At Gaze with Kids listeners can get 50% off their first order with the code GWK50 at checkout, and that's uh, at littlespoon.com. That's code GWK50 at littlespoon.com. Welcome back to Gaze with Kids, the podcast. I'm your host, David Dodge, the executive editor of Gaze with Kids. And today on the pod, we're going to be speaking with YouTube sensation Jonathan Jolie. Over the past decade or so, Jonathan and his wife, who live together in London, have amassed a huge following on social media with over 1 million followers on both YouTube and Instagram. And they've done this by posting simple, endearing videos of their daily lives raising their four kids. So everything was progressing pretty swimmingly for the social media family until just this past year when Jonathan came out to his followers as non-binary. Several months later, the couple also revealed their eight-year-old daughter, Edie, identifies as transgender. Jonathan gets really personal in this conversation, revealing how surprised and hurt he's been by the backlash from some of his own followers, who had up until this point thought of Jonathan and Anna as the heads of this picture-perfect, quote-unquote, traditional family. There's also a lot of great stuff in here about how it's been for Jonathan to come out at the height of his popularity, and alongside his daughter, no less, and doing so in the public eye. We also talk at length with Jonathan about his recent memoir called All My Friends Are Invisible, which is about the world he created as a kid, which he called Domdi, and the imaginary friends like Giselle and Florence who kept them company there as a way for him to escape the daily bullying and abuse he was suffering as a kid. It's a super interesting read and it gives some great insights into why Jonathan struggled until now to live his life authentically. It's available online and in bookstores, so I encourage you to check it out after hearing our interview. Anyway, Jonathan is a fascinating person who's in the middle of quite a bit of upheaval in his personal and professional lives. I appreciate him taking the time to talk so candidly about it with us uh, during this conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. Please give it a listen, check out his book, and then as always, like and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. Enjoy the conversation. Jonathan Jolie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for, for those of um, our followers that may not be familiar with you, can you just give us a little bit of a background on uh, who you are, um, your family, uh, how your family came to be, just a little bit of background so, uh, so we can bring people up to speed. Uh, yeah, so uh, I failed school and then I went to university, <laughs> had a lot of fun and then realized I needed to get a real job. Uh, and at the time, it wasn't, it was 2008, so it wasn't a great time to try and get a job in the creative business. And then I saw what was going on in America, that people were making YouTube videos, and I thought, hey, that's a good way to make rent. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. You know, it took 12 years of hard work every single day, but the show kind of grew. And in that time, I got married, and I ended up having four children and six dogs. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and all all of them. And, uh, and then uh, two years ago, I decided I would... Um, I would tell my truth. I, I wrote a book about um, it's kind of secrets that I've been hiding, you know, because I think it, it happens to all of us accidentally. You know, we're young and we realize life is crap and no one likes us and we keep getting, you know what I mean, picked on and then we decide we're going to create a fake version of ourselves. And then for me, that fake version became very successful. Um, and then that sort of, um, it kind of took a lot on a life of its own. And then suddenly I was 40 years old and uh, and then suddenly I was like, wait, who even am I? You know, and then I had to open the box that I'd been uh, stored away to my head of all my emotional trauma, all the things that I decided I was I didn't like. Well, that society didn't like about me. And uh, once you open that box, you can't stop. You know, it all just came flooding out. And that's and that's where I am now. So so getting to it, we're going to definitely get more into the book. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about Domdi and what it what it is and what that means to you? Yeah, so 
you know, to me, Domdi is my uh, my safe space, you know, a place that I can escape to, you know, as a child, you know, today we have loads of different labeled identities that make sense to us. But I was born in 1980 in Ireland, which was an extremely conservative country, which was governed by the church. And I knew that anything queer, anything different was just not going to be tolerated. And as a young child, I didn't really understand those things. So um, I also have ADHD, so I'm not I'm not very good at um, controlling my emotions. So I would sort of express myself and I would only have girlfriends. And then I started wearing my sister's clothes and I thought, this is great. You know what I mean? Just as a young, innocent child, just just kind of feeling my way around the world and then you know, then I started getting spat on, then I started getting punched, and then I started telling I was a mistake and I was wrong, and all the all the thoughts in my head, everything I wanted to be, because I wanted to be a girl, and I thought, this isn't right, like, I, I'm, I'm not supposed to be a boy, I don't understand boys, I like girls, um, and then everything just told me that, that that's not right, I'm wrong, I'm the problem, and um and I don't know if it was my imagination, I don't know if it was my spirit guide, I don't know what it is, but someone called Giselle came into my life and told me that I could be who I wanted to be, but I just couldn't do it in this world because the world wasn't ready for me. So she brought me to a place called Domdi and she showed me this, introduced me to this world, introduced me to all these invisible friends that populated my entire childhood. And I had all these amazing relationships with all these people who just appreciated and, and enjoyed me for just being myself. And I never had to pretend with them. And then, this is basically what the book is about. It's about that experience. And then, you know, somewhere in my teens, um, things just got complicated again because I became sexually active and that sort of changed how I felt about things. And and then, you know, I just, I got tired of always being sad and depressed and anxious. And, and I just decided I'll just become the boy everyone wants me to become, you know? And I left Omdi and I'm really sad about that. So I, I guess what I find so fascinating about this is that, you know, I think every queer person, every LGBTQ person, every trans non-binary person, I think has a version of that, right? In some some respects of, um, you know, before we feel comfortable coming out, uh, the the places that we retreat to, I mean, not everyone is, uh, is you know, creating a whole uh, fantastic world and, and uh, you know, a whole host of friends, which is uh, great. And you write very beautifully and interestingly about it. Um, in your book, which I haven't said the name yet, which is all my friends are invisible. Um, but so, you know, so whether it's for, for some queer people, they could retreat into music or they could retreat into sports or they can retreat into, into something um, that becomes like a safe space, right? So you, uh, you write very movingly and beautifully about this. Uh, but then what I find so fascinating is that, like you said, you left this world that you'd created, um, but then all of a sudden it came rushing back to you. Uh, could you talk yeah. a little bit about that moment when that happened? I think if any of your listeners are in that sort of 40s of year, you know, that's I, you know, is when I hit 40. It started at 36 because I just think I was in an intense experience that my uh, projected personality uh, had become so famous <laughs> and he was being, um, you know, just taken apart and analyzed and scrutinized. And there was so much pressure and I had. I had these children, I had a wife and I had a life and everyone else was depending on me to continue being. And I just think it was starting to crack, you know, in my thirties, I was starting to have this mental health break. And I remember I, I had a panic attack in an airport and after, um, I went to see, um, um, a doctor and I asked him, I was like, cause I thought I was dying. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's just so stressed out. And, and they were like, oh, have you had any mental health problems? And I was like, no, no, I've never had any mental health problems. And I was like, oh, wait. It was just one thing, you know, I, went, I, know, I knew I went to this school that was not mainstream, but that was about as far as I could remember, you know, and it was only years later after writing the book, I sort of, I started to, um, you know, I don't have um, a photographic memory, but I do have uh, an emotional connection to a lot of experiences in life because they were unresolved. Um, so once I started to sort of sink into the story and I started to remember back I started to feel the emotions of what that felt like and then it was just like I was just transported back you know into every injustice every time I was in those in school and those changing rooms and the the boys being so horrible sitting on the stairs being spat on by my dad and just like oh just it all sort of came back and it was almost like 
I was like, how am I reliving all of this, you know? Um, and then at the same time, uh, one of my children, um, she started to, you know, present that she was um, feeling in that she was in the wrong body. And, you know, she didn't feel like she was a boy, um, even though she was born a boy. Um, and, you know, then the things she was saying to me, I think were triggering me as well, because she was she was the little mirror reflecting, um, not me, but she was reflecting Giselle, which is, you know, my female personality. And I was looking at her thinking, oh my goodness, like this is, I can be the parent that I, the parent that I never had, you know, I can be that supportive parent and be the ally for her, you know? And then I think that just sort of like triggered a lot of emotions in me and, you know, and then the two of us just cried and triggered together, you know, and, um, She's been a, an amazing strength for me because she's at that point of her life where she's still really innocent and she still is, is just thinks the world is great and accepting and beautiful, you know? And I think, well, look, if I can just make home life accepting and beautiful, then, you know, at least that she won't, you know, won't when she does leave, because they're all going to leave eventually and go out into the world. And you and I know, you know, what the climate is today. You know, and it's, it's not nice, you know, and I don't like the idea of seeing my daughter who's a trans person being out in the world today and it scares me a bit. So I take it as a kind of a little mission to think, okay, she's brave. I need to be brave and I need to try and use my influence to try and somehow make the world better. You know, it's like a personal mission of mine. So in, in 10 years when she's 18 and she decides to leave, maybe something could be better for her. Once, uh, how fascinating that you know, not every queer parent um, uh, gets the opportunity to go through something around the same time as their child. You know, so what has that been mm -hmm. like for you both to be coming to these uh, realities? You know, pretty uh, close back to back. How has that been? To has it been a, a, some some sort of comfort in some ways? Yeah, like I think myself and uh, Edie—that's her name—we uh, had an amazing experience. I think. You know, we, she she really enjoys listening to my audiobook. It's on Audible, and she likes listening to it at nighttime. You know, and um, and I know it sounds like it's not a very child friendly book, but I think she she knows it's me, and she knows her grandparents, and she knows her aunts and uncles, and she she can relate. And you think that like, how could a child at eight years old be that emotionally intelligent? And I'm like, kids are very aware. <laughs> you know, they they're they're reading the room. You know, like a straight cisgender person never needs to question anything you know, because this is the word they just, they're just born straight and everything's okay. And they're, and so they'll look over at someone like, like the, the, the pushback that Edie got when she first started saying this and people were like, there's no way she could know at that age. And I'm like, but you're not her, right. you right. know, I'm like, I, I, I wrote a book. I tell you at three years old, I'm a 40 year old person now. And I'm telling you at three years old, I knew, I already knew, you know, and I'm like, kids know, you know, but what they'll do is that they're also very aware at reading the room, you know, and listening to mom and dad talking or mom and mom and dad, dad, whatever it is, you know, listening to their parents talking, reading social media or the news, just seeing public opinion and then thinking, hmm, I don't think I should do that because there's a cost. And I feel that, you know, I, I probably didn't realize, you know, uh, how, how much toxicity and brutality there is to being other, you know, because my projected persona that I hid behind was just real, just like masculine, cis, straight, and you know, person, and everything was fine and life was great. And the minute I decided, I, I dared tell people, you know, hey, I'm non-binary and my child's trans, it was like game over. <laughs> you know, you need to be canceled. You need to be destroyed. You know, and I right. do, I do have concerns about the book coming out that it will just be, um, just destroyed. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. I mean, well, and so this is another thing that, you know, not everyone has to go through the coming out process with uh, quite as big of an audience as you have. So uh, you have well over a million followers on YouTube and on Instagram. Uh, I'm not sure how many across all of your um, uh, platforms that you have, but you have a, a very many. large. <laughs> uh, but, you know, these are these are folks that have uh, really come to know you and your family very intimately. Um, and so, you know, so I guess what has the reaction been when you gain the courage to come out as non-binary and what has the reaction been uh for you to be talking publicly about your your daughter to come out as trans and has that been different at all i think one you know it's uh one of the 
yeah, it, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a nice way to say it. You know, you don't got to sugarcoat it for us. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's horrible to for, hear. Well, for my daughter, I feel that I have taken all of the anger from her, and I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. You know, because no one's angry at her; they're angry at me for platforming her. You know, because I, I, it's almost I tricked all the conservative viewers for like 10 years to all gather around me. And then I was like, guess what? Surprise, you know, and people got angry. They got angry because I, I, I got you emotionally invested in me. And then I made, I humanized me. And now I said, and by the way, this is what non-binary is. And, you know, I think that as a child, I probably would um, had given the option, would have probably not been a boy. Um, like my daughter, I think I, I would have liked to do that. I think as a non-binary person now, it's because I'm just, I'm too, life was just too cruel, you know? Um, yeah, it was just too cruel. And I feel like I wrote a book, I, I, I wrote a book about something I never, ever, ever wanted to tell anyone, you know, because I knew what they would do to Giselle. I knew what they'd do to Florence and Abigail and all my invisible friends in my worlds. And I knew they would just scrutinize it and gaslight me and tear it apart. And, and lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. You know, before the book came out, everyone in the comments on Amazon was just so brutal, you know? And then you switch it to verified reader, like verified purchases. And all the verified purchases, people are saying, this is incredible. This is gonna save so many people's lives. But the noise was just, so loud, you know, the canceling, the, the destruction, you know, and even some very big names in America were making content and, and saying that saying things about me and about how I, I was I was like, because I was like, so proud of my daughter, they were just like, No, no, you need to be deplatformed, you need to be shut down. You know, and I was like, Wow, I'm like, this is so sad that you know, you can't we can't just accept other people, what's wrong? If you're a queer man listening to this and you have your heart set on having a biological child, you likely already know how expensive surrogacy is, costing as much as $200,000 or more. Many queer men understandably experience sticker shock at this number and become a little bit hopeless. But there are ways to make having a baby as a queer man more affordable, and one of those ways is with Mosey Baby, which makes affordable and easy to use at-home insemination kits. So this kit would be perfect for anyone interested in an intentional co-parenting situation with a friend or a couple, or maybe you're one of the lucky guys who has an incredible person in their life willing to carry your child for free, meaning you can maybe skip the fertility clinic. Mosey Baby's Baby Making Plus Bundle includes everything gay parents to be need to get started on their at-home insemination journey. This includes specially designed insemination syringes, pregnancy tests, ovulation tests, and fertility loop. Mosey Baby has helped thousands of LGBTQ couples and singles form their families in co-parenting or known donor situations while avoiding a lot of the major expenses that come with other surrogacy options. You can find out more at moseybaby.com and get 10% off your first order with code GWK10. That's code GWK10 at moseybaby.com. So you, you talk about um, some of your conservative followers maybe feeling tricked um, <laughs> by following you at first. But so can you I, just describe a little bit about what your channel explores? What, what what are some of the topics that you have explored over the years with your family um, on YouTube and on Instagram? Yeah, so YouTube, like, uh, you know, we started 2008. It was myself and my girlfriend. Um, I don't even know what the hell we were doing. We we're just making videos about our dogs and stuff. And then eventually we decided to get married and we filmed like a, a mar like us, us getting married in Italy. Um, that was 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, and then <laughs> we, we, we had a child and then we kind of documented that. And this is like, I don't, I didn't even, I think it was like one or two people were making videos similar to us in the whole world, you know? So there, there was no industry, there was no creators, influencers. There was nothing. It was just a, this platform, this place called YouTube and we made fun videos. And then, um, it just sort of like grew from that and then we moved to England and then it sort of we followed along through all the traditional sort of like, you know, um, milestones of having your children and them growing up and, you know, all the fun, the traveling. It was just fun, lighthearted sort of, you know, family stuff, you know, and then, you know, it's same with um, with TikTok and Instagram. But I feel like now, you know, over the last two years, I sort of when I realized what I had done, I was like, I'm going to change my content. You know, and I think that's where people start getting 
upset with me because they're like, I didn't subscribe to this. You know what I mean? I'm uncomfortable now and I'd like to leave the room, please. But I would like to set the room on fire just to make sure <laughs> that the room cannot, you know, accidentally, you know, you know, trick me again, you know, and that's and it just really made me aware. Like I had I had known so many um you know, in our in our industry, there's a lot of different uh, people, like LGBTQ people, and I just I feel like I was so unaware of how bad it was, you know, and it's just you just think like I don't understand. It's 2022, you know, like when I if you if you read the book in the last chapter, it's 1994, and I decide myself and Giselle had that conversation where we decided that we were going to put Giselle and Domdi away and hide it away, and we thought um, it was going to be like a short term sort of you know maybe a couple of weeks, maybe next year or something like that, you know. And she came back to me in two or 2016. You know, and it took me from 2016 to 2020 for me to understand what was going on. I thought I was losing my mind. I didn't know what was going on. There were suddenly these people appearing <laughs> everywhere, you know, and um, it was it was Domdi bleeding out of me until I, you know, sat down and it was like, what is going on? And then I opened it up and I know it sounds like crazy, <laughs> but then I sort of came and now I understand why she came back. But then, you know, I felt really sad that I was like, I was really sad that I accidentally locked what was probably the only reason I survived my childhood you know when I was nine years old I considered ending my life because home was so horrible and school was so horrible and I ran to get tried to get help from and no one would listen to me and it's just you you I don't know if you can even I, I'm sure you can't understand I know who I'm talking to but to, to feel like that as a child and then to find yourself 40 years later and looking at your queer child and thinking, no, no, not again, you know, because how it started before she became, changed her pronouns and her name, she, you know, she was so depressed, you know, she had no friends, she was just crying, she didn't want to go to school anymore, she was like just shutting down, and she started to have Im invisible friends, imaginary friends, and, and, that, and, and I would start interacting with her invisible friends, with her, to try and like, I'm like, it's okay if no one's going to play with you. You can play with, you know, I'm not going to say the name because it's not my place to say that, but you're not, you can play with this person or why don't you bring that person to school with you? And she's like, oh, no one wants to play with me at school because, and then flip-flop, you know what I mean? Two years later, you know what I mean? It wasn't that easy. It was, it was very dramatic and very difficult to get community in school and everyone to kind of go along no, with it. of course, right. But now she is like probably one of the most popular kids in the school. You know, and she's just so friendly and very sassy. I'm not sure where the sassy came from, but <laughs> we woke in some little sassy diva. But she's just <laughs> such, a, it's like someone flicked a switch and this person, Edie, woke up and she's just so happy. And it was like she was never supposed, and now when we think of her dead name, it doesn't even work. You think, why would you ever name this person? It doesn't make sense, you know? And it, and it also wasn't a moment where, you know, um, in my wife's family, she has two um, trans adults, you know, and um, three um, just just traditional gay people, <laughs> you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, so she has, you know, so we kind of we'd have that in the family and some some right. of those people would come out. Right. They came out in there and one of them came out in his 20s and everyone was like, what? It was like, no way, you know, but Edie was more like, yeah. Like there, there's no there's no secret you know i think we always felt that i don't think we felt that she was going like like had um uh i think it's body dysphoria where she just felt that she was in the wrong body and that really became present um when she was learning about puberty in school and that's when she started panicking about the idea and she was like but i am going to grow boobs right and i'm i am <laughs> a woman right and i'm not gonna get hair and i'm not gonna and i was like oh no i'm like Okay, well, you know, and then she, you know, she's in, um, she has a counselor now and, you know, I, you know, so we're open to whatever, whatever it, way it's going to go. So it's right for her, but, you know, she has support because I feel like I'm not qualified <laughs> for this stuff now. 
but it, I mean, just from the videos that um, that you can see with Edie now, like the you have a beautiful video up about uh, the day that she announced her new name to to your following. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just see like a light in her eyes and in her face. She does seem um, yeah. I felt you know, I felt bad about that one because gender reveals are like a big thing on YouTube, you know. And Edie's gender reveal um, eight years ago. Um, I felt like, yeah, well, that's wrong. We need to go back and like, you know, and, and maybe like, you know, I got, this is the problem with the internet sometimes is that the people shout at me so much and they start to make you think that you're doing the wrong thing, you know? And then I just look over at my child who's like never been happier, you know? And she's like, thank you. And she loves making videos. She loves being there. She loves, she loves how much support we have in it. And then strangers on the internet come and tell you that you're doing this wrong you know you shouldn't and i'm like but but you don't know my child you know what i mean and i I, why would i do this wrong or or i'm forcing her that's that's it that's a big one people will say i'm forcing her and i'm like i have another extremely uh you know cisgender toxic masculinity child who (laughs) he would literally die if, if someone saw him with a barbie in his hand you know and it's like, and that's been like obvious from day one that this child right. is like nothing but a, oh, a man, you know? I feel like as um, a non-binary person, I can be almost like mom or dad. I have, you know what I mean? I can be either one of them. So for my son, Andrea, he needs me to be like, dad, daddy, big, strong daddy. And then my other child needs me to be more like a mommy for her, you know? So it's kind of like if I was to... When I, when I think about the idea of trying, if trying to convince a cisgendered person that they are trans, it's just impossible. You just, right. it would yeah. never, ever, it would never work. It just comes from like the most purest place of ignorance. You know, people have no idea what they're saying, especially if they aren't parents and if they're not parents of trans uh, or non-binary youth, right? Um, but so what was this like for you? So as you're, my, my guess is you probably didn't know the levels to which you would end up reaching when you just started to create, you know, fun videos of you and your wife and then, um, with you and your family as it started to grow. Um, and then it took off to, to be what it is today. Um, and you know, this whole time you were aware of who you are, of your true identity, um, but didn't feel comfortable enough, um, at the time to, to come out. So what was that like to be reaching these heights? um a fame where people were um you know like uh, obsessive about your family and, and uh, getting this peek into it um what was that like to feel like you weren't able to show all of yourself during that time and during your rise to fame yeah uh i feel like i have an entire um story uh if this book does well i i, I did say I would, I would write a follow-up and explain my uh young adulthood because it's kind of you know i've been mislabeled all my life you know, because I I present different to how I am and then it becomes very confusing. So the narrow minded just have called me gay my whole life because, you know, the my the feminine. So I, I found myself always just making excuses. It was easy on video because you wouldn't see anything outside of how I present. But my comments were always filled with. You know, my wife is just living with her best friend and they're obviously platonic and he's obviously gay. And it's, it's just always just followed me throughout, you know, before YouTube, what I used to when I was, I was a dancer for a long time. And it's just because I've always enjoyed like the creative arts and expression and, you know, and then those things would just plague me. And um, yeah, and then I would I find myself when I'm with other people who I worked with, I would always just explain. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really talk to boys. I'm more of friends with girls and all my friends were girls and you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm more into the feminine. People are like, oh, you're so nice to talk. You're so easy to talk. And I'm like, you just, you're always just making excuses for yourself, you know? And right. um, I feel like, you know, I was trying to be what people want. You know, constantly, I forgot after I forgot I wasn't a child anymore. I wasn't a small, scared child anymore. I had the strength to just tell people who I was. But it's so funny that, like, I saw my child. I tried to save her. And she turned around and saved me. You know, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I needed saving. I thought I was fine, you know? Right. And then um, now I just couldn't even imagine. And it just, it makes, it's hard to explain. It's like, you just feel this, like, you feel like you're floating in a way because you're no longer being held down by all the, it's not just a lie. It's just like so many compounded on top of each other, on top of each other, and then, you know, I mean, you're not, someone asked me that, you know, um, 
doing some press for the book here in England. And they said, you know, did you know you were lying? Was it hard to keep up the lie? And I was like, no, because it was, it was subconscious. I wasn't even aware that I was doing sure. it. You know, yeah, um, of course. I, I, I didn't wake up every morning and think, okay, act fucking straight today. You know what I mean? Be cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. I know you curse a lot. Sorry. You're <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, I, I curse a lot cause I'm Irish, but I tried to hold it in when I'm doing stuff like no, this. Please let it fly. It's all right. It's a, a beauty of a podcast. <laughs> but yeah. And it's just, you know, you're just trying cause you realize that people don't like queerness and other, you know what I mean? They, they like to pretend they like to wave a flag. They like to, you know what I mean? Say the right things. But when it comes down to it, they're happy in their, you know what I mean? Suburban life, you know, they're happy away from things that they know are going to like, um, cross friction, you know? And that's, that's one of the big things I learned that, wow, I could have just continued and continued on YouTube and continued my life and everything would have been fine. And, and I could have just hidden our child, you know? Um, but then what would that have, um, what would that achieved? You know, it's just, it's just the level of hate. Just, I can never get over that, how brutal it is. And it's exactly how it was in 1980 in conservative Ireland that it is today in 2022. It's like, right. wow. I, I, and I'm so sorry to, you know, to hear and to read about some of the negative um, reactions that you have had from some of your followers who are, you know, it's a, they had this view or this uh, idea of, of you and your family and it, you know, was shattered in front of them. Um, and instead of, you know, understanding that you, you are this, you're the same family you were before coming out, mm -hmm. all of the videos that people enjoyed, um, they were, you know, so you'd say it's not, it's not a lie in that sense. It's just, this was part of your identity. You weren't able to, to share with people. So none of that is a lie, right? That is your family. It's who you all were. Um, but so I, I'm also curious to know what the response has been from the LGBTQ trans community, the non-binary community. How, how have you been supported or are you feeling supported by, uh, by others that maybe, um, weren't as aware of you, but now, now are, or uh, your followers that were already queer and trans, um, has there been uh, much of a rallying around you um, as you're going through this process and experiencing this vitriol from people? It's a tricky one because initially my instinct is to say no. You know, I feel like I, 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 I kind of I, I, I snuck in the back door of the community, <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> and then I felt very unwelcomed. I'll be honest, you know, um, yep. it is felt, you know, my I, I feel that like sometimes the even more toxic voices feel that they have more authority to deny my, um, because they're like, you know, oh, well, I'm a trans person or I'm a number on your person and you're, you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Your existence is wrong because you're not following, you know, these points. And I'm like, but you know, I explain myself, you know, where I feel like, yo, I'm, I, I look like a boy, but I'm okay with being in a boy's body. I am sexually attracted to women, you know what I mean? But then, I feel like a girl on the inside and I only, I only have my girl on the inside because this world is too brutal and I can't let her out. I mean, every time I let her out, you hurt her. So you don't get her. She gets to stay inside of me and I get to live as both of us, you know, and in my family here, my kids would probably say I'm very gentle and sensitive because I let that part of me out. But on the outside, I know I have to be weathered and hard. And there has been some people have come forward and, and really appreciated my openness and my DMs were filled with such nice positivity. But, you know, the positive is never as loud as the negative. Sure. You yeah. Know? And, and the negative, you know, some high profile, you know, social media people have made videos to just being so brutal about me and my child and or my book. And it's like, wow, guys, like what? Why? We're all on the same goal here. We're all looking for, you know, just like peace. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what I want. It's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll admit to you that I was talking to um, a couple friends before this podcast uh, recording and was telling them about you and that you were coming on. And they were like, why is Jonathan Jolie going on a podcast about gays with kids? That's not who your audience is. And to me, that's never been, you know, for me, it's the gays with kids platform, despite our name, despite what's in there, uh, is is inclusive of, you know, non-traditional forms of parenting and non-traditional parents. Um, and that very much includes people um, like you, non-binary parents, uh, who, are, you know, might be married to um, a woman. So it's the, I think it's this, uh, the quote-unquote straight presenting um, 
uhness of of your relationship that maybe the um the broader community is responding to and that's a big problem for me because I, I feel like this is often what i hear a lot of pansexual and bisexual folks talk about too that are in um different sex relationships is that they feel invisible they don't feel um and they you know it's i guess it, it's a double-sided uh, sided, um issue because you can exist in the world um without being super out front if you do present as this you know cisgender heterosexual couple if you're able to right uh where obviously like a same-sex couple can't do that but uh but then it's also you're you, you know you're troubled by <laughs> by that as well and then the community it can be very brutal about it and not very good at accepting um mm -hmm. different forms of how this presents so sorry that's me editorializing a little bit on your experience but um i yeah i guess it just it leads me to say that i'm uh not shocked that the uh, this is a lot of stuff that we have to come to terms with too in the broader lgbtq plus community um it's it's uh it's something that we all haven't really you know done our homework on and I, it's something i'm hoping that we can do more of um and i do hope that the community starts to rally around you uh, more than they have you've talked a little bit about this um in interviews and um and uh, uh just generally um throughout the years is to any sort of feedback that people give you or criticism of of uh putting your family so publicly in the spotlight you know regardless of all the identity issues um like what do you say to people that are that are critical of that of your decision to uh to be so public with your family which again you know as far as i'm concerned you have this uh platform now to really speak to uh some issues that people really need to hear about you know it, as uncomfortable as it clearly is for for some people but how how do you respond to people that that criticize that um well you know I, first of all i wouldn't do youtube today how i did youtube you know 10 years ago you know i definitely you know starting out today i'll be no way you know but you know a long time ago it was very different you know and we didn't have children and then see someone else and then decide that we're going to start making videos with our children myself and anna we started making videos five years before we ever had a child you know so it was always myself and anna's story and then we had a child and we were thinking oh yeah this will be fun you know and then we just kind of got wrapped up in it. Suddenly, you know, I've been fired from literally every job I've ever had, you know, because I've, I'm a troubled person. And, uh, and then I finally found the internet and it kind of said, hey, you know, being a troubled person here is like a good thing. Welcome aboard, you know? And I was like, okay, you know? And, um, and then I suddenly, you know, from dropping out of school and failing, you know, being told I'll never amount to anything, I amounted to something, you know, I'd actually done something. And then, you know, I blinked and it was 14 years later. And, uh, and then we just, you know, decided to call it quits because I was like, I didn't like what the internet, how the internet has evolved in some ways. I don't really like it as much, you know, and I don't feel like it's right to do that kind of stuff anymore. And that's why we stopped doing it. And, you know, but then we've evolved and then, you know, we evolved on other platforms and then it's like, it's less evasive content, you know, so it does, it does, it, it feels more like you can, you can make a point in 15 seconds and, and then you can go about your day and no one will know anything. And, and the timing of it, I'm glad that we kind of wrapped it up and then I sort of start, you know, I started to unravel myself, maybe, maybe by stopping the videos, you know, because I did it every day for 10 years you know, and but maybe like stopping making videos, I had a moment to go, hello, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and then I was like, I don't know, you know, and then I sort of unraveled myself into, you know, and I'm glad that I didn't go through that, you know, while I was daily vlogging or something like that, you know what I mean? And the same way with my child, had we still been daily vlogging, I think people would have started to pick apart things and say things, you know, and I felt like, you know, people didn't have the right you know, because like you said, you know, we weren't welcomed, you know, and it was, it was really, you know, it was like, oh, I thought there was going to be pride or I thought people, I thought I was going to find the people that would tell me that, hey, you know what, this is, this is why you don't fit in. And this is where we've all been waiting for you. Welcome aboard, you know, and it wasn't like that. And it made me feel, it made me feel even more isolated because I left, um, you know, I left that kind of like, um, I don't know what it is, the, the, the normal presenting cisgendered world. And I told them I don't belong there. So and they're like, okay, and now I feel I'm in this like purgatory because <laughs> I don't appear to belong anywhere, you know? And, um, you know, we're writing the book. It's like, you know, that's the story of like what, um, 
what a non-binary person or you know a trans person growing up feels like you know what i mean this is how to destroy them you know it's like this is the inner workings the inner thoughts and you know if, if you grow up and you know you tell the world your story it's like it's really sad how it's been received and how many people are invested in denying my and, and gaslighting really affects you you know it really starts making you think wait was i wrong am did i did i make that up did i you know what i mean but an interesting fact which makes me sound even more crazy is that the uh, giselle and abigail and florence like they're still here you know when i opened that box and they came back into my life and i was like what the hell and i think that like they're probably still here because right now i needed that support and i haven't been welcomed anywhere you know i haven't been welcomed into any side but i've left the other place because i felt like hey you know what it's 2021 i think it was you know and i was like i think i'm ready i think the world is ready you know what i mean but unfortunately things kind of went the wrong way cereal was one of the best parts about being a kid but then we grow up and realize just how much sugar and junk is in most of it. Luckily, the folks at Magic Spoon have figured out how to make a truly healthier cereal and when we don't have to feel guilty about serving our kids. Magic Spoon cereal has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. And it's only 140 calories a serving. They're not just healthy though, they're delicious. Magic Spoon cereals come in variety packs of four flavors, including cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Best part is you can mix and match the flavors. Try blending cocoa with peanut butter. It tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. Go to magicspoon.com slash GWK to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GWK at checkout to save $5 on your first order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash GWK and use the code GWK to save $5. So someone that has supported you through all this, um, and it sounds pretty wholeheartedly, is your wife, Anna. Um, so can you talk about that, like what it's meant to you to have her by your side and what her reaction was when you when you came out to her um, and then the reaction of your kids and how they've adapted to uh, to your um, news that you're non-binary? I think with Anna, when I when I was 25, um, I realized my life was a total mess. Um, I had gone through like so many failed relationships, so many failed jobs, you know, just, just I wasn't clicking, something was wrong. So I went back to university because as an adult, um, I didn't have a leaving cert in Ireland. Like that's, I don't know what that is in America, but that's, I didn't finish school. Um, and you can't go to university unless you finish school. But as an adult, you can interview. So I went and did an interview and I got into the course. And then over the next four years, everyone told me I was a bloody genius and I was really intelligent and this was amazing. And I was like, but everyone in school told me I was a failure, you know? So I sort of, I got my confidence back and suddenly ADHD had been more taught about, you know, back when I was diagnosed in 1989, um, I was just told not to eat chocolate and don't have sugary foods <laughs> and you'll be fine, right. you know? Um, you know, and things have changed now. And then, um, and then I decided I was going to be true. I was going to try and live the truth that I felt like I could be more myself. And then um, I met Anna. And after about a week or two of with her, I just I just basically told her, you know what I mean? I told her about Domdi. I told her about the, all the, you know what I mean? The parts that I could remember, you know, so much of it was suppressed. It's so complicated. I don't know how our brains work, but the parts that I remembered, I knew I was able to describe myself and that I wasn't like other boys. And she just, she told me that I was just like an onion. You know what I mean? I had so many layers protecting Jonathan on the inside. You know what I mean? And, she, and I was like, you don't think that's weird? And she's like, no. You know, and then I was like, all right, carry on, you know, so she was actually being the person who has been saying to me for about about 10 years that I should write that book, you know, because she was like, you should write, you should tell people your story because it's so phenomenal. Like, and it's just, it's just such a story and you're so good at people and you're really good at like, um, you know, I have this, I have this complex where I need to fix people, you know, <laughs> whenever I meet someone and I talk to them, I always like, I want to help you. You know, I feel like an empath. I feel very empathetic towards people's experiences. And I've had so much, so much things to overcome at such a young age that I felt like for the rest of my life, because I overcome all of that, you know what I mean? It gave me such a good insight into helping people, you know, and um, yeah, and Anna's been wonderful. And when I, you know, 
eventually decided to write the book and we eventually made the YouTube video talking about it. She was just like, you know, it's just no difference. My children, they didn't see any changes. You know what I mean? Because they were like, but that's dad and that's the way he's always been. And you know what I mean? There is no difference. My family were the ones who felt a bit like, you know, they, they were a bit like put off a little bit. You know, they're still in Ireland. They're still under the church, you know, so they're kind of a bit more conservative about the idea, you know, some of the ideas I said, and they'd be like, oh, no, you know, I remember I was talking to my dad about it um, before because I had to like tell him when I was writing the book. I don't really have a relationship with him, unfortunately. Um, and I told him and he was like, oh, I always you were just a sensitive kid. You know, yeah, you're just very sensitive. And I was like, oh, I, th I think it was more than he's like, no, 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 no. That's all it was. And I was like, but I'm, I'm in my 40s now. You know, I'm, I'm trying to tell you something and you're, you're just gaslighting me. You're not letting me tell you my truth, you know, and I think right. for with the Internet, I think people that wanted me to leave Anna and transition to a woman or do some, something that the media has told them that everything in life is a big moment and there's going to be a big reveal and this is the content you want. And the fact that I I didn't do that. And then I kind of like I broke the rules because I'm in a, um, you know, a a straight sexual relationship but I'm presenting as a non-binary person. And you know what I mean? They're like, no, 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 you, you've done it wrong. That's not how it works, okay? You know? It, it's, I mean, people really do. It, it's, it's funny because just as soon as people, society starts to get used to the idea of gays and lesbians, then you mm -hmm. throw the concept of bisexuality at them and then they freak out at that and takes them a while to figure that out. Once they get used to that, then you introduce the idea of, you know, transgender people and pansexual people. Um, and then, you know, it's an uproar again. People are like, no, that's not what we're used to. You told us it was this. And then the idea of, you know, just as, uh, I mean, the, obviously we have, you know, light years to go in terms of uh, where we're at with uh, trans rights. But uh, yeah, I think folks really do struggle to understand. They can maybe understand <laughs> what it is to uh, be born one thing, but want to be another. Um, it, or at least that's how they might conceive of it. But the, the idea of being non-binary, where it's, you know, thinking of gender as a spectrum and that, uh, you know that i think is still we obviously still have a long ways to go and like i said i think that it's it's a struggle that we're having across um our own acronym too uh, it's not something that everyone uh it, you know can fully conceive of and it, you know and, and then especially if it's uh this thing where people don't understand that you could be non-binary but present as a masculine man or uh or as a woman um and yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's something that people need to uh, do a lot more listening to uh, to people like you to hear your story and, and to uh, you know part of the reasons that you maybe not feel so comfortable expressing the you know all of yourself. Um, although I did see a um, a video that you posted about um, clothing, how you um, have since coming out as non-binary started to you know, like you struggled at first to try to find clothes that you felt, uh, and this has probably been true for you your your whole life if you haven't felt mm. comfortable with the the clothes that you've been wearing. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about that? What that journey has been like for you to just you know figure out ways to express uh, even small parts of uh, of your of yourself now that you've uh, come out through through clothes or any other uh, anything else? Yeah, um, I that's interesting you said that, and I never it was not something I ever was aware of, but I never cared about clothing. You know, um, I don't know if you'd read the book, but there is a chapter which was the last time I had feet girls clothes and I was caught with the bag and the police came, you know, and um, or the guardie as they call in Ireland. And, you know, they were like, oh, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's not mine. I remember walking away and I still remember that bloody bag like, you know, because I would like, I don't know, it, it just sounds, you know, if you say it now and you just sounds people twisted into some sort of perversion or they'll say like, oh, you're cross-dresser and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, because you can't be a cross-dresser, mate. It's like clothes don't care who's wearing them, you know, they're just clothes, you know. But I just, I, I, I felt that left me for the, for the next 30 years feeling so confused, you know. And sometimes I remember when my girlfriend was living with me, you know, and, and I'd like put her clothes away and I would sometimes I'd look at her clothes. And I think like, just don't go near them. You know what I mean? Cause do you remember last time? Do you remember what happened? You don't want to be that weirdo anymore. Like, and, then, and it would start messing with my mind. I'm like, why did I used to do that? I don't know why I used to do that. You know, I shouldn't do that. No, I should just stay away, you know? And I think, you know, now it's like, 
I found more androgynous sort of stuff was kind of uh, kicking off and, uh, you know, and Etsy is, you know, a lot of like individual designers, you know, and I started sort of playing around with the idea of trying stuff. And I did feel like, that, you know, when we went back to Ireland for Christmas uh, when I was doing a book tour, um, I found I found a kind of a, a medium mix of like a kind of a, a skirt with leggings and stuff like that, you know, and um, oh, you felt I felt so I don't know, like. I know that I don't I don't look like a vulnerable person, you know what I mean? It's like I know I'm the scary one when people walk down the road, but I felt like, oh my god, like I feel vulnerable because this I am I am Giselle on the outside and I'm like, this is fucking terrifying. What if people know? You know, and it's just so messed up, you know? And um and I've learned that like you know, I know what my my body. I'm, I I like me. You know, I, I I've been here for forty two years now in this body with a penis, and I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. You know, <laughs> it has its, it has its benefits. You know, and uh, you know, and it's like so. I'm kind of used to the idea, and then my wife is kind of you know helping me kind of like find ways of dressing my body you know because i'm not like i'm only five foot six i'm not like a, a big lad you know so sometimes long line clothing as much as i like long line clothing it makes me look even smaller you know so it's like trying to find that balance you know of um and it was like this summer was the first kind of summer we were coming into after me kind of like really um coming out myself and then i start you start panicking going like wait what the fuck what do i wear in summers like how, how do i go to a beach you know what I mean? Right, oh right. my God, yeah, what the yeah. fuck am I going to do? You know, and like I've, I've just done winter. Okay, I got past winter. It was really <laughs> difficult. You know, the amount of times I like buy a load of clothes and then just throw it all in afterwards. You know what I mean? And just like, no, that's wrong. You know, and then try again and try again. And lots of trialing and failing. But each time, you know, I was trying to do it with my Instagram and I was trying to like share this story and try to explain. And I could see people really connecting. And, and it felt like it was going. It was all... It was all going in an okay direction. And then my child came out as trans and it literally just, it was like, destroy him. You know right, what I mean? It's right. everything is his fault. He's grooming that child. He's forcing that child. I was like, what is going on? Like, well, that's the, yeah, the most heartbreaking uh, part of all this. It, it, it's, and it's honest, it's unfortunately something that any LGBTQ plus person um, non-binary person, trans person has to uh, deal with if, they, if one of their kids ends up identifying along that spectrum. And, you know, as, the, as we, and obviously you're creating an environment where uh, if you are openly, um, you know, part of the queer community or the trans community and you're living your life that way, you're creating an environment um, where kids that do feel that way can feel like they can express themselves at a much younger age. I mean, it's in, you know, and, but of course people on the right uh, and people that just don't fully understand are always going to think that it's something that we're doing that, you know, this is a, it's a very common story and very common criticism that, um, that queer and trans parents have to deal with all the time. And it's uh, heartbreaking. Um, and again, very sorry that that's something that, um, that you are all going through as well. So, and I actually, I should have asked you this at the beginning of the conversation, but so um, I read that you were initially, when you were trying to uh, think about this book that you were conceiving of it, um, it, that, that it came to you when you were going to like during the pandemic and it was a way that you were going to mm -hmm. try to help some of your kids deal with um, some mental health issues that they were going through and you conceived of it originally as a children's book. Um, so could you talk about that and how it kind of went from that or just the, you know, the inspiration for the book um, and then mm -hmm. the journey that it took to its current form? Yeah. So in 2017, I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to write a book for my kids because I was always reading stories to them at night. I had kids and I thought, oh, you know, I want to write a book. And I went to one of my agents and I was like, I really want to write a kid's book um, for one of my kids. Um, and this is my idea for the book. It was about this little boy who wanted to wear a little pink pretty dress, but he knew that he wasn't allowed. So one day his sister and all their little doggy friends, right, because we had six dogs, was going to go out and, and find all the little parts of ribbons and like all the different parts of the dress and then they were all gonna go into the basement and they were gonna like sew the dress and they were gonna give it to her and then or him at the time and then he was going to put the dress on and look at himself in the mirror and and you know what I mean it was gonna be this acceptance story and I was 2017 <laughs> they were just like no and then I brought out a book called um, The Great Catnap which was a kid's book about the six dogs who wanted to kidnap a cat for my eldest daughter because she felt like she um she was sad and she really wanted a cat 
So it was this, you know what I mean? So it went from the creative of this idea and it was kind of shut down by the publishers. And then people were like, no, 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 you can't do something like that, you know? And uh, I didn't really think about it. I was just like, oh, I thought that was a really fun idea. You know, I had this child who was very feminine and only wore his sister's clothes inside the house, but outside the house, he would present as a boy. And I thought it was an interesting story. And um, so skip forward, you know, um, 2020 and you know, uh, Edie had sort of presented, you know, she'd kind of come out and she was going through a hard time at school with a lot of the, um, the other boys kind of not fi finding it difficult to accept her. Um, and I said, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll write a children's book like I did before because that was very, very popular and very successful. I'll write another short, like a fun story about the one that I really wanted to write back then, but no one wanted it. But now, you know, I feel like things have changed and I think that it's a good story to put out there. And then I was sitting down with my um, literary agent and we were talking about the book and then she was like, oh, and then I, I was just like, I'd always be just explaining myself away. You know, I was just explaining that like, oh yeah, you know, I grew up the same as, as, uh, as, as Edie, you know, I was the same as her as a child, you know, and she's like, oh, how, how did you survive that? And I was like, oh, I was like, I had this, like this world I used to live in, you know, and I had all these <laughs> friends. And then she was just like, hold up. She's like, let's 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 deep dive into that explain more of that to me and then i was just kind of talking to her more about it and then she was like that's the book you know tell that story and i was like i can't tell that story she's like you have to it's so interesting it's so good and i was like Ooh. it's easy um it's a lot easier to uh create fluff <laughs> than it is to create something that matters because when people hate Absolutely. on the fluff who cares you know but right. when people when people like dissect and tear apart that all my friends are invisible book about my story of me and Giselle and Abigail and Domdi and and it's just oh my oh my heart gets torn like every injustice every bad word is is hit me it's like being punched all day yeah. every day you know and then you know and you know before it even came out you know what I mean people are just trying to destroy it trying to deshelve it trying to kill it you know what I mean because when I even reading it and I was like what you what what are you talking about that's not what it's about you know it's like oh my god and here we are a couple of months later and the book is about to come out in america and then over the last few months the culture has changed <laughs> the temperature right. has yeah. changed you oh, know for and I'm sure like, it has yeah i'm like wow i'm like is this even going to be allowed are we just going to suppress this completely well, I hope it's not, which is why we're very happy to have you on here and to uh, be talking about this. And, and it does seem, you know, despite all of the, the journey it took to get the book in its current form, um, that your original um, hope for it, that it would prove some sort of comfort to your children, uh, sounds like it is doing exactly that. You say that he really enjoys listening to the mm -hmm. audio version of it. Um, so, you know, congrats on, on that. It's a yeah, no, I think, you know, I remember being a child in the 80s and I remember watching TV and 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 I know that like representation is important and I feel that like we have we've come a long way okay for representation but one thing that lacked for me was nobody nobody presented how it wasn't just girls it was you know what I mean it was like somebody needed to show me that the me was okay you know and and that's what I wanted to do and I think she likes listening to the book because it speaks to her at a deep level of like this is this is the thoughts that I was having, you know, of this course, is, yeah. these is, you know what I mean? But, you know, mainstream media is kind of, you know, a phrase to sort of like, you know, because it will, you know, it will get canceled. It will get destroyed. You know, it's not a mainstream idea, you know, even now non-binary, you know, sometimes I'll do media stuff and they're like, yeah, but what is that? You say, is that just real? Like pick one, will you? No, you know, exactly. Like, well, it right. doesn't work like that. <laughs> So, you know, I think it is fascinating to be talking to you at this moment um, when, you know, obviously a lot going on in your family and you have this new book out um, and you're being very open and public about your experiences. Uh, so, you know, in a lot of ways, you're still at the very beginning of uh, of this story and your journey and especially the public side of it um, and, and the coming out process and everything and being there for your daughter. So I guess where do you, where do you hope to see you and Edie and your family, um, you know, like several years down, let's say five to 10 years down the road. What do you, what do you hope to see happen? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Uh, I, I, like I said, you know, at the beginning, um, I want Edie just to be happy, you know, uh, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. You know, um, if Edie came to me in five years time and said to me, you know what, dad, that was fun, but I want to switch back. I'll be like, 
cool. Go for it. You know, but I'm, I, I hope that now you'll, you'll, you will look back at your life and think my parents will accept me if I said I'm a caterpillar, you know, because we love our children and we want our children to just be happy. You know, I know what it's like to live a lie. I know what it's like to be suppressed. I'm not trying to make anyone else's children trans or, or non-binary. You know, I don't have this sort of agenda. I just have like, I want to save my children, you know, and I do think Giselle and, you know, Domdi and, you know, what that meant to me, like from the darkest places of my childhood, from contemplating being so close to leaving this world and they saved my life. And I don't know whatever that was or how that happened, but they did. And I want to share that with people like me. You know, I want to share that with all the people out there that feel disconnected or alone, or maybe they're like me. Maybe they're not being accepted in any tribe. Maybe no tribe will have them, you know, because they don't tick all the boxes. And you can have this tribe, the Invisible Friends tribe, which is we don't care. And it just, just be happy, be, just be honest and be true. And be compassionate and that's it that's all we want for the future and i'd hope that my story would be some kind of bridge something to make the people like me who just feel like we don't fit in anywhere fit in somewhere well i'm i'm sure your story will help a lot of people uh congrats on the book it is it is a great read i encourage everyone to go out and get it it's it's the release is uh coming in the u.s it's called all my friends are invisible it's on audible great <laughs> yeah I, I read it i knew because i'm dyslexic so i was like I want to read the audiobook because audiobooks is my jam for books. Right, right, right. We'll definitely put links for where you can uh, find the book um, in the blog post that comes out with this uh, podcast. But thank you again so much for being here and talking to us. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, and again, congrats on the book. Thank you. Thank you.